Hello and welcome to another episode of Thriller Podcast. Today we have Coinbase in the news, IMF in the news, and Opera Browser in the news, believe it or not. And then we have an interesting video of the day. And then finally, in our main topic, we are talking the diamond of crypto, EOS. Thriller Podcast starting now. Welcome to Thriller with Carl Gonzalez. Broadcasting from Austin, Texas. Via SoundCloud and supported by... This is like you. It's time for the news. 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 Thriller with Car Gonzalez. Hello, guys, and welcome to another exciting week of Thriller Podcast. Let's go ahead and dive into news. We've got a lot to talk about today. First up, Coinbase taps Twitter vet to bolster customer support team. Cryptocurrency startup Coinbase has hired a former Twitter executive in an effort to shore up its customer support teams. Tina Bartnagar will serve as vice president of operations and technologies, according to a Monday announcement in that role. Tina, who at Twitter was VP of operations and user services, will lead teams connected both Coinbase and GDAX, its digital asset exchange. Prior to her role for Twitter, where she worked for five and a half years, she served in executive positions at Salesforce and IBM, according to her LinkedIn profile. She said, it's an exciting time with Coinbase and crypto in the public eye more than ever, but that also means it's an even more critical moment to stake our position, and this can only happen if we do right by our customers every single day, she said in a statement. Coinbase would look to bring in some notable talent on the customer service side. It's perhaps unsurprising given the platform issues the site has experienced amid a period heightened trading activity around cryptocurrencies. Um, also Brian Armstrong CEO also said he had record volumes and traffic to all his products saying that despite some minor hiccups Coinbase exchange was able to remain online through most of the period of elevated demand so that's not surprising Coinbase has always had issues with its customer support Um, if you guys go back and listen to some old thriller podcasts you'll see me complaining about them Um, there was an episode where we actually covered Coinbase as the main topic but uh, yeah, it's it goes back to 2014, 2015. Um, they've always had uh, issues with their platform. Some stuff has gone missing on their platform, um, stolen funds and stuff like that. People go on Reddit and complain about it. And then, yeah. So that, that was in the past. That seems to be old Coinbase. This new Coinbase that we've been getting here in the past, I would say maybe 10 months, um, it's completely different. And it looks like they're trying to finally trying to take care of their customer support, which they definitely need, I would have to say. But it's getting better all the time, like the Beatles would say. In our next piece of news, we have IMF costs for International Corporation on Crypto. So the International Monetary Fund, an organization of the United Nations that aims to foster global monetary cooperation and financial stability, has called for global coordination on cryptocurrencies, warning of the risk of surging cryptocurrency prices. So according to a Bloomberg report, IMS spokesman Jerry Rice said late last week, there is no there is a need for greater international discussion and cooperation among regulators. Rice added, when asset prices go up quickly, risk can accumulate, particularly if market participates Participants are borrowing money to buy. It's important for people to be aware of the risk and take the necessary risk management measures. The spokesman also stressed that cryptocurrencies pose dangers beyond investors' losses and can potentially be used for money laundering, terrorist financing, tax evasion, and fraud. Previously, the IMF has advocated a balanced approach on cryptocurrency regulation. Christine Lagarde, managing director of the organization, said in September of 2017 that cryptocurrencies may give traditional government-issued currencies a run for their money, and it is not wise to ignore them. She added that cryptocurrencies would bring massive disruptions and warned that central banks and financial services need to pay closer attention to the technology. So when I see a hit piece like this... um, to me, it just screams they're afraid. You know, they have, you know, on the IMF, it's an organization of the United Nations. They're afraid to rock things up. They don't want to mess with the way it is because it's better for them and everybody in that class of people. Um, people like us, people who listen to this podcast, a lot of people, you know, who don't have that type of money or who don't have that type of luxury, you know, feel like crypto can change the world. And honestly, it will. And this is them trying to you know, get this out to Bloomberg and to report on it so they can see that they're trying to get like an uprising against cryptocurrency. And to me, that's the wrong approach. Um, I don't think that's going to bring, if anything, it's basically complaining because things are changing. And honestly, 
things need to change. Things need to progress because it's just frankly not fair the way it is currently set up in the world today, especially when it comes to talking about currency. So that's what I think about that. But I did want to share that with you. Um, and then in other news, we have the Opera browser. So as you know, there's Chrome browser, there's IE, there's Edge, there's um, yeah, there's all kinds. Google Chrome. Did I say Google Chrome? Well, there's Opera as well. So Opera adds cryptocurrency miner protection for smartphones. So cryptocurrency miners embedded in websites is increasingly becoming a problem for smartphones. But the Opera web browser is trying to remove the threat for its users. Opera, which already introduced cryptocurrency miner protection in its desktop-based versions, is now putting the same feature into smartphone browsers. The new feature will be available on Opera Mini and Opera for Android, according to a press release and as part of the browser's native ad blocker function. So the new anti-cryptocurrency mining feature is activated by default when you enable the ad blocker on Opera Mini. The ad blocker can be enabled by going to settings and it will automatically detect and stop the mining scripts written into the code of a web page. Opera estimates that more than a billion devices worldwide are slowed down by website-based cryptocurrency miners that users do not realize are crypto-jacking their browsers. On the other side of the browsing experience, the company believes there are now more than 3 million websites with embedded cryptocurrency miners, making it tricky for users to know there's a problem. There may be no visual clue that a miner is taking advantage of a web browser, according to the firm. Cryptocurrency miners can overload smartphone CPUs, forcing 100% usage and potentially causing a phone to overheat. And the damage can sometimes be permanent. So honestly, guys, uh, you just need to be careful where you're going. Um, yes, you could probably download this Opera browser and that would probably protect you. But honestly, if you're going to shady websites and you and everybody that's, you know, under the age of 35 knows what a shady website looks like. So if you're if you're under the age of 35, you know what a shady website looks like. So just be careful where you're where you're, where you're clicking on. Be careful where you're going. Um, because yeah, there are some scripts that run. I haven't run into anything like that before, but I know some of the, like the free roll, like free Bitcoin, um, um, Dogecoin and free stuff like that. Um, there's free sites like that. So I've heard of a couple of those sites having some scripts like that in the background, if you click on a certain link. Um, so just be careful where you're going, be careful what you're doing and always remember to back up your, your phone. So that way, if you have to wipe, you can just wipe and go back to a previous date. So that's always a good rule of thumb. And then with that, let's get into our interesting video of the day. Cars, interesting video of the day. So today we have an interesting video from none other than Andreas M. Antonopoulos. Um, this guy understands the blockchain. He understands cryptocurrency. He understands everything when it comes to cryptocurrency. He just he just gets it, um, and he knows how. He has a very good way of explaining things, um, almost at a very you know basic level that everybody can understand, which I love about uh, Andreas. Um, he's very much the Carl Sagan of crypto. Uh, he really is because he really has a love for it. You can tell, and he loves talking about it. And a lot of people love hearing him listen. So um, I actually ran into this today at work. I was just working like normal, and sure enough, I go on YouTube, and this is the, one of the first ones that pops up. And it he's talking about the uh, future of money and the future of crypto and how it can be its own kind of self-served efficient corporation. And I thought it was a brilliant idea. And this guy comes up with brilliant ideas probably in his sleep <laughs> because he, every time I see one of his videos, he has another brilliant idea. And this is just a brilliant idea. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one day if uh, somebody runs off and takes off with it because it's a great idea, so check it out. And this is the concept of a distributed autonomous corporation. At the moment, every payment system in the world, every currency system in the world, is, requires uh, that the ownership of money is associated with personhood. That means that money can be controlled either by human beings, persons, or the, the constructs built through association, uh, artificial personhood or corporations, um, that can manage money on behalf of shareholders or behalf of individuals through institutional controls. Mm -hmm. The one thing you can't do is you can't have autonomous systems manage money. Uh, they have to be attached to a person. Bitcoin doesn't see personhood. It's not designed to go around personhood. It simply doesn't see personhood. It doesn't see people any more than it sees borders. 
Just like on the internet, you know, the famous saying, in the internet, no one knows you're a dog, <laughs> from the cartoon from the 80s. Um, it, it essentially removes uh, personhood from the equation. Now, what that means is you can have autonomous systems that can control and manage money. One of the concepts that comes out of that is the concept of the distributed autonomous corporation, which is um, a construct, an autonomous system that owns resources, money, on the internet uh, through Bitcoin or some related technology, and then acts in the interests of shareholders, who may be other autonomous systems or people, doesn't matter, and then can make decisions, spend money and allocate resources in a completely autonomous manner. Let me give you a post-singularity example. It almost sounds like money for artificial intelligences. Imagine a, a weak AI system whose goal is to optimize publishing of content. And it can use a Bitcoin bank account to pay for hosting on, say, Amazon Elastic Cloud, uh, which is one of the cloud computing services. It can now buy a month of hosting. During that month, it can then establish a number of blogs and publish news by harvesting it off the web. Then it collects micropayments from the readers of those blogs. And if one of the news sites it builds is popular and successful, it collects more micropayments. If one of these sites becomes more successful than the others, it can spin off a copy of itself, a subsidiary that divests, that then goes out and launches more news based on that code pattern. And then it can buy more hosting capability to pay for the next month of its hosting and bandwidth. If it gets really successful, it can increase the amount of bandwidth it's paying. Mm -hmm. It could also, presumably, um, improve its own code, simply by posting ads on forums to hire developers to write better code for itself. And then it can do A-B testing. Take two versions of the code written by two developers, put them out there, and whichever one succeeds in delivering the product or service it's delivering, collects more payments from its users and thrives, and the ones that don't essentially lose the ability to pay for their own hosting and they die. If you do that on a large enough scale, you now have an evolutionary environment for artificial intelligence which can manage its own resources. This is evolution in action. You could literally have a self-evolving autonomous system that can expand when it's successful and contract when it's failing and spawn new generations of itself that are self-improving. So that's just a wild idea, but it's, it's definitely well off into the future. But it kind of shows you where the blockchain and AI kind of will meet each other. Um, and it also shows you what a digital currency can do with AI. So I, I thought that was brilliant. I'm going to put that in the show notes. If you guys want to check out the whole video, he goes into a whole other topic. But I thought that was simply brilliant. Um, with that, let's go ahead and get into our coin talk segment. are excited for this segment um i hear about it every day so if you guys haven't subscribed yet i would definitely subscribe to our telegram we're knocking everything out of the park on there um we're we're sharing information we're sharing out new rumors new everything on the telegram so if you guys want to join the telegram i would definitely join it it's a it's a free chat group that we started for thriller podcast um the link is in the show notes so definitely check that out um, also want to say if you guys would like to support the channel uh, feel free to head over to our patreon.com slash thriller podcast over there you'll be able to have access to pretty much everything that we provide um, we're starting to post a lot more shows here and it's it's pretty much becoming a daily routine for me <laughs> at this point which I love because I love doing this um, so you guys will definitely get value there for as little as a dollar a month. And then if you want to make decisions about this podcast, like today, we're doing the podcast about EOS. And that comes directly from our Thriller producer, Josine. So she donates at $5 a month. So if you guys want to start making requests like Josine, um, definitely get on that tier. And then you can start requesting uh, episodes. And I will oblige. It is at patreon.com slash Thriller Podcast. And there you'll be able to subscribe to everything that we have. 
So with that, let's get into our disclaimer. Remember, Thriller Podcast does not give financial advice. He cannot tell the future. Even if he thinks he can, he is just some dude trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. So today was a so-so day in crypto world. Um, Yeah, I would say it's a so-so day. So it looks like we got Bitcoin at $10,000. It went down from 11.8, I think it was over here on Saturday. Then we got uh, Ethereum at $1,000. So that went down uh, a little bit from 1,100 here on Saturday, I believe it was last time I checked. I actually bought some more Bitcoin over the weekend through my Square Cash app just because it's a lot easier to purchase from there, I'm starting to notice. Um, and then I bought some Ethereum too. I think it was on Friday night um, as well, just because I think uh, it's at a steal right now at $1,000. Um, so with that, uh, I want to get into Ripple. And I want to get into Ripple for two reasons. So over the weekend, I posted um, something on the Telegram talking about Ripple so this was weird. I was on Twitter on Sunday and uh, kind of just going through my normal Twitter routine, which is just answering questions for anybody that has them regarding any kind of cryptocurrency. And this one guy who I don't usually follow, uh, I noticed that he had a, a screenshot. And, and the screenshot said um, it basically looks like Amazon and it adds has different other payment methods. It says add a bank account. Use your US-based checking account, uh, apply for an Amazon store card, access to exclusive financing offers, no annual fee. And then at the very bottom, it says add a Ripple wallet and deposit funds, which uh, has low transaction fees and easy setup, zero fraud. And then at the bottom, it says your balance is $35 in gift card balance. Um, So what I made of this was like, first I thought it was like, what the hell, what is this? And then I tried to figure it out and then I was like, oh, okay. So it's an Amazon, looks like an Amazon payment gateway, um, very similar to the one that they have right now. So another thing that I thought was kind of strange was just the way that it looked. Um, it looks very much like a real Amazon page. And what was funny is as soon as I took a screenshot of it and uh, downloaded it almost like within five minutes, it was deleted. Um, so that was strange too, because it was kind of like, wait, did somebody make this and then like, you know, do something or did somebody leak this? And then they, you know, you know, they, they deleted it because they realized what they did. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. Honestly, this is why you need to join telegram or thriller podcast telegram, because this is where I'm going to post that stuff first. Anyway, join the telegram. It's in the, it's in the, it's in the group chat. Um, you can see the, the image, but, um, I think it's very strange. Uh, Ripple on Amazon, I don't see that as being real. Um, it looks legit. Like everything about it, I'm looking at it right now. Nothing looks fake. I, I'm looking at it. The the fonts all look correct. Nothing looks washed in. Um, it looks like somebody took a screenshot or not a screenshot. It looks like somebody took a picture with their phone. Um, but it clearly says Ripple there. And it says add a Ripple wallet and deposit funds. If this were to happen, let's just say hypothetically this is real and somebody, you know, let this leak. Um, if this were to happen, this would change Ripple for sure. And this would definitely change crypto in general and would definitely provide mass appeal for regular people to invest in Ripple. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was hella interesting and I wanted to share with you guys. So I did on the telegram, but either way, it could be fake to me and my eyes. Like it doesn't look fake, but it very well could be who knows. Cause you can always, you can always edit source inside of a, a web browser and create any type of image and to get it to look exactly like a real image. You'd be surprised what really great web developers can do these days. But, um, but yeah, anyway, so that was one thing that I saw. And then another thing that I saw here on Twitter was a quick breakdown on XRP dips. So if we look back to like the past and we go back to March 17th, 2017, Ripple was at five tenths of a cent. By April, it had shot up to six cents. And then the following day, April 3rd, it shot, uh, it was at six cents and it went all the way back down to three cents on April 27th. On April 28th, it went from three cents to 39 cents on May 17th of last year. And then also the very next day, May 18th, it went from 39 cents 
all the way down to 15 cents in August 19th. Um, and then finally in December of last year, December 11th, it went from 23 cents to $3.38 by January. And then just recently here it, on January 7th, it went from $3.38 all the way back down to $1.68 where it is currently at or two days ago. Right now it's at $1.33. So if this trend continues, and this is what this breakdown shows here, and I also put this in the Telegram as well, um, January 16th, which was, uh, how many days ago was that? That was uh, six days ago. Um, it, it, it would have put the coin at $1.34, um, which it's currently at $1.33 right now. Um, by February 28th, here it says if it follows the rest of the trend that it's been going at, it should be at $16.03, which is crazy. But it follow, if it follows a trend of 900% and more increase, then it'll be at $16. And then by March, March 2nd, it will be at $16.03, and then it will crash back down to $8.53 by May. So if this trend continues, guys... Um, it's very possible that Ripple could be at around $50 by the end of the year if we're just looking at this quick breakdown of XRP dips and, 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 and pumps. So like I said, I don't, I'm not great at reading charts. I've never have been. That's not something I want to learn either. <laughs> I, I, kind, I like going off of what I read and what I understand, the technology, and going off of crypto that way um, and just kind of feeling it out and listening to the developers and listening to the people talking about the space I can kind of get a really good idea of where it's going. Um, this kind of makes me go, hmm, that's interesting because it's hard to argue with math. <laughs> you know, it's very hard to argue with math just because if you're looking at the math and I've looked it up, everything looks correct on here. Um, this is also on the Telegram if you guys want to check it out. But I thought it was very interesting that uh, by February 28th, it should be at $16 according to uh, this uh, quick breakdown of XRP dips, um, which was interesting. And it's funny because I actually said that if Ripple were to get on Coinbase, I've been saying this, it would shoot to $20 and then it would crash back down to around five, 10 bucks, which kind of gets close in this ballpark. But um, yeah, that's why I'm bullish on XRP here on the short term. Yeah, it just makes sense. Even though right now it's at $1.32, um, I bought some more XRP yesterday actually. Um, I only bought like 52 more XRP coins um, just because I'm I'm bullish on it short term. I really believe that uh, it's going to get on Coinbase. Could be wrong, but um, I'm willing to risk that. <laughs> I'm willing to risk that $75 or whatever it was to uh, to and then turn that into potentially 700 bucks. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, and then we also got uh, Bitcoin Cash. At uh, 1600 we got, uh, and that's down 8%. Uh, yeah, Bitcoin Cash, it'll be fine. Cardano at $0.56. Cents. Cardano, 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 what are you doing? It's crashing. But as it gets towards the end of the month, you'll start seeing it increase just because they have their monthly uh, white paper, or I'm sorry, their monthly um, update that they do every month. And that always brings up the price of the coin. We got Litecoin at $177. So that's down 7%. We got NEM at $0.97 cents at eight, down 8%. That's actually a good buy right there at $0.97 cents NEM coin. Um, that's not bad. We got Stellar at $0.48. Cents. It is up 3%. Um, so it's up, which is good. And I got some Stella. We got... We got NEO at $121, down 7%. We got IOTA at $2.47. Man, poor IOTA. It's down 10%. We got Dash at $781, at down 5%. We got Monero at $315, down 8%. We got Tron going back down to $0.06 cents and uh, currently at down 2%. So it was funny. Uh, Tron over the weekend actually showed up on Newsweek. Uh, they seem to be coming crypto a lot more and more lately. Um, they said, what is Tron? Cryptocurrency's budding founder, Justin Sun, wants to change the internet. And uh, it goes into like a pretty interesting story about Tron and uh, talk about China. They talk about Justin Sun, talk about it being worth eight cents at that time. Um, they talk about its value being at the $3 mark. Um, 
yeah, it's uh, interesting. And that they're talking about Tron Puppies, the game that they're going to be releasing here pretty soon. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool seeing. It's pretty cool seeing um, Newsweek mainstream media getting in on Tron, um, but obviously didn't help the coin because <laughs> it's it's still at six cents. Um, you guys know my stance on it. We did we did Tron last week uh, where we covered it, and I basically told you it's fifty fifty. Um, flip a coin. That's how I feel about Tron. I currently have a shit ton of Tron, so I'm gonna hold it. It's worth it to me. A 50-50 chance that it could it could break through. On the other on the other side, there's a very very strong chance that it's not. But we will see. 50-50 shot. I think either I think 50-50 is pretty good. If you're if you're the gambling type, we got Bitcoin Gold at 189 down 11 percent. We got Icon at eight dollars and twenty six cents, and it's, Icon just holds steady all the time. We got Ethereum Classic back down to twenty nine dollars. We got Lisk at twenty one dollars. We got V Chain at eight dollars. So V Chain um, keeps going up. <laughs> so that's good for them. We got Ryblox at fourteen dollars, down eleven percent. We got OMGO at fifteen dollars. Nice. Uh, that's down seven percent though, but still, that's a good price for it. Um, so Zcash at four hundred forty-seven dollars, down nine percent. We got Verge back down to nine cents, down ten percent. We got Sia Coin at four four pennies, four pennies, and uh, down three percent. That's not bad as long as it stays around there. Just as long as it doesn't get back down to two cents or one cent, we should be fine. Uh, we got Stratus at eleven dollars and eighty-seven cents. 11%, down 11%. We got Bitcoin at six tenths of a cent. Come on, Bitcoin. We got Steam at $4.29, down 6%. We got Status at 27 cents. Ah, damn, Status. Damn it, Status. We got BitShares at 32 cents, down 11%. We got Doge at six tenths of a cent. We got Walton at a. Oh, we got Walton at yeah, $29. Interesting. One percent up. Um, I think. Oh, we got Dragon Chain at two dollars and fifty cents. That's actually a good buy right there. Interesting. Down six percent. Dragon Chain, two dollars and fifty cents. That's not bad. We got Arc at five dollars and forty three cents. We got Salt at seven dollars and forty seven cents, and we got Syndicator. So the one that we were looking at last week uh, on Coin Talk, on the Coin Talk, I think it was on Coin Talk episode two, which is Thursday. Um, damn, it went from 20 cents to 34 cents. And you know what's funny? I was actually going to buy some Syndicator um, here recently. Um, it's up 36%. It's the only thing that's this high right now, which is kind of crazy, but people are all for Syndicator right now. It's climbing too. It's currently number 55 on the coin market cap. So it went from 93 last Thursday to 55 here on the coin market cap Syndicator. So get on that, guys, if you want to make some money, it looks like. Hopefully it doesn't bottom out. That's the only thing I'm worried about, especially when coins start, you know, quadrupling its value here, like, really fast. It really scares me because I'm like, uh, is it going to go back down? And then who knows? It might not. It might be like Power Ledger where it just goes from, like, $0.34 cents to, like, $1.45 and then finally comes back down. Because, like, if we look at Power Ledger now, it's currently at $0.98. Cents. So it's very possible, you know, Syndicator could shoot up that high at $1.45 just very fast and then come back down to reality at $0.98. Cents, and that's pretty much where it stays. Because uh, Power Ledger has been around that mark, around the dollar twenty mark these past few weeks or past couple weeks. But I love Power Ledger. I think that's going to be an exciting coin here fairly soon. We got Funfair coin at $0.09. Cents. Um... What are some winners today? So some winners we got next at $0.35, cents, up 6%. We got Eternity at up 2%. We got Siren Labs token up 34%, $3.51. Um, we got Redcoin <laughs> taking a major hit, dude. Damn. It's back to a penny, Redcoin. Um, yeah, I, I ended up selling out of my Redcoin over the weekend. Uh, that's what I bought some of the Ripple with. Uh, I just sold out. I sold at a loss. I think I lost a total of seven bucks. So, yeah, I'm out of red coin officially. Uh, just because, 
you know, it really had a bad taste in my mouth after last week. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's falling and, uh, and it looks like people are starting to take notice too. That's probably why it's dropping as well. Uh, it's a good thing we did that episode. Um, then we got um, got Cryptonex at $6.52, up 10%. That's interesting. Um, we got, I think that's it. And our 100th coin today is Xplay at $0.23. Cents. Good on you, Xplay. Try to stay in the top 100. So no one looks at the 100 to 199 coins. That would be an interesting episode, though. Looking at the 100 to 200 coins trying to guess which are going to be the high market ones um syndicator though i think is i don't know i don't want to give it to thriller podcast approval but uh, we might have to do a show on syndicator this week especially if it keeps climbing up the way it is we might have to really dive into the white paper and really dive into what it actually is the nuts and bolts of it spend some spend at least two hours looking at that coin uh because i haven't seen anybody talk about it very much so might be good to look into it. Um, I, I definitely want to know more about it. It's at a good price, $0.34. Cents. So with that, let's go ahead and get into our main topic. Today, our main topic is about EOS. It's not pronounced EOS, which I always thought. It's actually pronounced EOS. And uh, why this this crypto is going up so fast. I'm going to explain all of that. I'm going to explain the type of currency that it is. I'm going to explain everything. So by the time you leave this main topic, you're going to have a complete understanding of EOS and where it's headed. Let's jump into our main topic now. Time for today's main topic. On Thriller with Car Gonzalez, only on Anchor.fm. So, I think to understand EOS is to understand who is behind it. I think that's, I think once you start understanding that part of this cryptocurrency, then you'll start understanding how it all fits together. EOS is actually an open source software. And open source software is basically kind of like Linux, kind of like Android. Android is uh, technically not a variant of Linux, but it does use Linux kernels. And you'll be arguing with geeks all over the world. Uh, for as as time comes so we won't go into that but i will say that it, it's kind of like that so why is that important you're probably saying carlos who cares if it's uh if it's open source or not that doesn't matter but i'm telling you it kind of does because block one is a company actually working on it uh, block one was brought together by a shared passion of decentralization so the block one team is led by ceo brendan blummer and cto daniel larimer and if you guys know that name, it's because he's actually the person who created uh, Steemit. Yes. And he also created BitShares. Yes. And now he's creating EOS. And he actually worked directly with Satoshi Nakamoto back in the day, in the early days of Bitcoin. So he definitely understands cryptocurrency. And he definitely knows how to build a company. That's for sure. Especially using this blockchain technology. We're going to play a little clip from Daniel about his early days. So check it out now. Well, a long time ago, uh, I started looking to question everything in my life to find the truth uh, in everything. Uh, and that started me down the rabbit hole of free markets uh, and... Austrian economics and Ron Paul and all that. Um, I realized through that journey that uh, <clears throat> I wanted to create systems that would actually give us freedom, that would entirely nonviolent. So I've made it my mission in life to find free market solutions for securing life, liberty, and property. And one of the very first things that you need to do if you want to secure your life, liberty, and property is we need to have a money that's not controlled by the people who can print it and debase it and, uh, and use it to enslave us. So uh, I started trying to find alternatives to gold and silver because they were just not very easy to transport. Uh, and that's when I discovered Bitcoin way back in 2009 when it's possible to mine entire blocks on an average PC. Um, so I've been in the space for a really long time. Um, in 2013, uh, shortly after... Mt. Gox had their U.S. bank accounts seized by the U.S. government, I realized that all the exchanges were a vulnerability in the crypto space and that there was a very real possibility that the governments could shut down the exchanges and then that cuts off the flow of money in and out of cryptocurrency. So that's why I set out to create BitShares. 
a decentralized exchange uh, with the primary feature being uh, pegged assets that could be tracked the value of gold, silver, dollars, yen, and then can be used to trade against the cryptocurrency. So those who need price stability would have it. Uh, in the process of building a decentralized exchange, I realized blockchain technology just wasn't up to the task. Bitcoin 10-minute blocks is way too long for trades. Um, the potential for blockchain reorganizations, uh, the usability around account names and permissions, uh, even the, the fee structure and performance. So all those things had to be addressed. So over the course of two years, 2013, 14, and uh, I guess 15, I created and launched BitShares 1 and BitShares 2. Uh, and BitShares was the first one, first blockchain to achieve tens of thousands of transactions per second on a live blockchain, uh, nodes distributed around the world. So what I've been doing for the past several years is really pushing the envelope of performance toward real world use cases. Uh, BitShares is also one of the first blockchains to have named accounts and built-in governance for self-funding of, uh, of new proposals um, funded by the blockchain. People are actually directly hired by the blockchain to do work. And that allows us to repurpose all the money that's been you know, wasted on mining uh, and toward actually doing work that then adds value back to the underlying token. So that's what I did with, with BitShares. But BitShares still had the trouble of uh, mass adoption. Most people, uh, it was a really hard sell to convince them to take their money and put it on this risky blockchain platform. Um, it still suffered from the problem of transaction fees. Uh, you have a decentralized exchange that charges you every time you create or cancel an order, even if it's not filled. Uh, and that was a roadblock to uh, adoption. So after I was uh, working on BitShares for a while, we uh, started to run out of money um, to fund development. And uh, we were in the blockchain recession. Uh, so I had to come up with a, a plan to onboard users to get viral marketing and discovery. And that's when I came up with the idea of a social media platform on a blockchain, a platform that would reward users for producing content. And then the content would drive organic search results to Google and onboard users. Users wouldn't have to put any money into the system. It was the first blockchain that realized that there are you can contribute work and labor in addition to money. Uh, they're, they're all forms of capital that add value to the underlying token. So STEAM was an exercise in massively decentralized budget allocation. We wanted the ability to have the masses allocate the block rewards, that, the billions of dollars that currently go to Bitcoin and Ethereum miners, uh, to allocate those among content producers and, and um in, in a very decentralized way. We wanted thousands and thousands of people every single day to get rewards. And that meant uh, decentralizing uh, the budgeting. Because under BitShares, all worker proposals had to be voted on and get everyone to agree on. And it was a process that was very difficult, very political, uh, and people just couldn't process that. So we had to move the decision-making authority down to a much lower level so that individuals with an upvote can allocate some of the public money. Uh, and so uh, that's been very successful. Steemit has uh, become, I believe, one of the top 2,000 websites globally uh, in less than a year. Uh, and it's helped people all around the world get into blockchain. Um, and it's actually taught me a lot about blockchain architecture. So uh, after building Steam, uh, and BitShares, one of the things I, I realized, they have a lot of things in common, and a lot of other applications could benefit from having the same account systems, account recovery, um, and certainly the performance that we've, that we've seen with these, um, with these two blockchains. Steam and BitShares are both industry-leading performance. They've got, uh, by transaction volume, more than 50% market share. Uh, in the cryptocurrency space. So they're, they're the heavyweights in actual blockchain usage. 
with respect to Steam, we had to make it so that every transaction was free because people don't want to pay to upvote. They don't want to pay to post or comment. Um, so that was the, the other major innovation with Steam. So, so now I'm, I'm moving on to EOS, and EOS is, is bringing it all together uh, to provide a programmable environment where anyone can build applications like Steam or BitShares. So if you look at the team, it's amazing. These guys have everything. They have their own you know, genius in Daniel Larimore. They have a, a CEO in Brandon Blummer. They have a very viable product, an open source software product, kind of on the same type of path where Ethereum is going. The only difference is that this 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 type of crypto is a uh, delegated proof of stake, and we will definitely get into that. So here is no other than Dan Larimore explaining delegated proof of stake. DPoS is delegated proof of stake is a new consensus algorithm that allows the shareholders, the users of the system, to uh, have control over who is certifying the ledger. It allows us to have 10 second block times, process transactions at 10 transactions per second or more, uh, and allows the network to scale uh, to have dedicated nodes that are highly efficient and specialized yet remain in control of the shareholders. So we can actually have 10 second confirmation on your blocks that's more secure than Bitcoin. Proof of work is the idea that whoever is willing to burn the most money is the most secure network and the attacker has to secure burn more money than everyone else combined. Proof of stake is the idea that the holders of the coins the, or the system uh, should have the role and responsibility of securing it. It's also a scarce resource. Energy is what powers proof of work. Uh, shares in your DAX is what powers proof of stake. There are many ways of applying your stake to secure the blockchain, but uh, delegated proof of stake is you appoint someone else to secure the network on your behalf. And these would be the delegates. There are 101 delegates. They take turns producing blocks in a random manner every 10 seconds. All systems are vulnerable to 51% attack. Bitcoin is vulnerable to 51% of hashing power. Proof of work coins, proof of, sorry, proof of stake coins are vulnerable to 51% shareholder attack. Uh, so there's no such thing as avoiding the 51% attack. It's inherent in the nature of consensus that 51% agree that's the majority and there is, as far as I know, no way to avoid that in your system. Uh, but get, where we get the advantage over proof of work is that the cost of requiring 51% is much higher than the cost of requiring 51% of any other system. So the main reason why um, delegated proof of stake is important um, is because every stakeholder you know, has an influence um, that is directly proportional to their stake. So like no actual stakeholder stakeholders are excluded from exercising their influence. Um, so every other consensus system on the market um, excludes the vast majority of you know in investors or stakeholders from participating. And um, there are many different ways that alternatives um, can exclude those stakeholders. Um, and then some alternatives use invite only onto their systems. And then others exclude participation by making it cost more to participate than they earn. So um, still other systems technically allow everyone to participate, uh, but they can be safely ignored um, by very large players um, who produce the vast majority you know, of all the blocks. Um, so delegated proof of stake you know, ensures that the block production is evenly distributed um, amongst the most people and that everyone has a viable way to influence everybody else. And I think that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> so it's important. Let's just, let's just, let's just all, all of us, we can agree that it's important. And um, that's why it makes it a, a third generation uh, cryptocurrency. Now, that is just a technology portion of this topic. Because I'm telling you, EOS is, man, this, this took me like two hours today <laughs> to really dive into it. But I, I enjoyed it because I learned so much. And um, I also learn that US is uh, definitely a triple uh, layer burrito of cryptocurrencies. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to unfold, or actually it'd probably be a six layer burrito 
uh, from Taco Bell because there's a lot to unfold uh, in this cryptocurrency, which I like. It's very, it's a very interesting. So with that, um, my favorite guy, probably on YouTube, Dollar Vigilante, he had Dan Larimore on his episode, on his podcast, uh, and his his show on YouTube. And sure enough, um, I'm going to play something from him, but he, Dollar Vigilante, I like this guy because he asks all the right questions. Because some of the same questions that I have about EOS um, are some of the ones that he asked. And one of the main ones I asked was, what's up with this year-long ICO? So if you guys don't know, that uh, eos.io is the website. If you go there right now, it says that right now when you're purchasing EOS as uh, as as a coin, you're not actually purchasing the EOS coin. You're purchasing an ERC20 token on the Ethereum network. And that's supposed to be something that you're supposed to swap out with here in the future on June 1st for real EOS coin. But what's funny is the way Dan Larimore explains that. So check this out. Our token distribution process uh, is not the longest one ever. In, the reality is Bitcoin and Ethereum are the longest token distribution process. Each and every day, uh, they require 10 times as much money as EOS does in order to sustain the price. Um, if you look at what the only difference between the, the token distribution model that we're using with EOS and the one that Ethereum uses is that the proceeds are captured and can be used by Block One to uh, produce a more free society. Um, but whereas the other alternatives, they burn all that capital uh, in electricity for some, to process maybe 10 transactions a second between Bitcoin and Ethereum combined. Uh, so <clears throat> the market has already demonstrated uh, that in face of billions of dollars a year in, in necessary capital to sustain current prices, Bitcoin can go up, Ethereum can go up. So um, it's really no different than any other cryptocurrency in terms of the rate at which tokens are entering the market, its impact on the price. Uh, it's mainly, I guess, psychological in nature. One of the uh, biggest impacts um, in the past several months has been the China ban on everything dealing with cryptocurrencies, the closing down of the exchanges. Uh, half of all of the contributions were coming from China prior to the, uh, um, the ban. And that resulted in a massive uh, reduction in the buy side of the equation. But like we said in our purchase agreement, we can't guarantee any price. We're letting the market figure it out. We don't know any better than anyone else uh, what the price should be, what the price will be, and we make no promises that it will have any value whatsoever. All contributions okay. to the token are taken as revenue, and there are no benefits or obligations, so it's quite possible to trade below cash because it's just based on future expectation uh, and market speculation. So you, please don't view it as uh, EOS tokens as being shares in Block 1 or having any claim on the cash that's already been contributed. Uh, we're going to do what I've always tried to do with everything uh, and all the resources at my disposal, which is build free market solutions for securing life, liberty, and property. Uh, I can plan to continue doing that with everything I've got. Um, but yes, that's, it's, a, it's an interesting fact, but it is not, um, it's not a basis for investment decisions. So it's pretty funny because um, when I looked at this coin, maybe about in December, when I really took a look at it for about, I spent probably about 15 minutes on it. Didn't really look into it too deep. But um, what I did was I looked at it. I looked at a couple things like I usually do. And my total, um, my whole plan of action for it was to purchase EOS at $4 at the time and then go ahead and uh, trade it right before June and then cash it out and then earn all that profit. Currently right now it's at $12. I should have held on to it because I think I sold it. I ended up selling it at 11 dollars or something like that ten dollars when i got up here in uh towards the end of december but what was funny is my initial impression was that was the play on this and it's funny to hear dan larimore talk about it because he literally says that you're not purchasing the token that you're purchasing the eos token or the eos token that you're, that you're purchasing for the ico is just a speculation you're actually contributing money to the project to the EO, to the eos project and it's going to block one the company and what's crazy about it also 
is that that coin will potentially, and I say this with quotations, it'll potentially be swapped, swappable for the official EOS token. And you do that by registering your Ethereum uh, wallet address with the EOS uh, token. When he explains this, it almost sounds like he's saying, well, we're hoping EOS or EOS coin will be there in June because that's going to take, because it's open source. So that's going to take a community of people to create that coin, run its own network, um, kind of like what he left with Steemit and what he left with BitShares, where it's just running on its own by the community. So I'm going to play that for you so he can better explain it than I can. But I think my initial my initial uh, summarization on EOS back in December when I spent 15 minutes on it was correct. But I'll let you guys decide for yourself. Uh, everyone, every DPoS application, every proof of stake system needs an initial token distribution. There are many different ways of creating it. Uh, when you buy into... Ethereum with hash power, you're creating the distribution of Ethereum and the money disappears. When you buy into EOS, uh, you're creating the distribution and the money from the perspective of the person who's participating, the money disappears. Um, and it's the exact same, same model. Now, there's lots of things that are being done for legal purposes. For example, Block One is producing free open source software. We will not run and operate any nodes with our own software. Uh, and so therefore we cannot promise or guarantee that the actual blockchain will ever be produced. However, there is going to be, uh, if current projections hold, a billion dollars of vested interest in seeing this distribution launched and created. And there's gonna be a huge financial incentive for entrepreneurs who don't have the same legal restrictions that we have to take the software, adopt it, deploy it, and start operating it with the distribution that we've created. Because what, we've had, what we're doing here is we're engineering decentralized social pressure and consensus, the shelling point around the distribution that we've established. So you don't have to trust us. You have to trust the market. And uh, some people have a hard time trusting the market, but this process has been used before, uh, uh, both with BitShares and Steam. Uh, I did not produce the blocks. The blockchain was started by independent third parties, honoring the distribution that the market had uh, created. Um, and that's what we're gonna do again here, is the market can use the tools we create. And I always tell people there's a difference, legally speaking, between creating the software for the New York Stock Exchange and operating the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, so we're staying on the creating side, we'll allow other people to do the operating side. Um, and so that's where a lot of the confusion comes in as well. Is it going to happen? Well, if you believe in market incentives and alignment of interest, then yes, it will happen. Uh, but it won't happen because of any one person. It will happen because of a decentralized movement of people. Uh, and, and that's scary, but that's the future of decentralization. So, uh, oh, Carr was right on EOS. <laughs> Yeah, so it, like he just said right there, guys, I think EOS is a great platform. I really do. I think the technology is amazing. Um, delegated proof of stake sounds awesome. I love that. I love the decentralization. I think the guy, Dan Larimore, is uh, very, 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 very smart. And I think he knows how to create different types of cryptos. And they all have a certain function. And they definitely have his signature all over it, which is cool. Um, I think it's, it's kind of cool how he's able to go and spin these little these little uh, cryptos out like this. Like EOS, he created that here within a year or two years. Um, and then like with Steam and then with, uh, you know, with BitShares. It's, it's very interesting stuff what he's doing. I can't wait to see what he builds next. I will say as a potential cryptocurrency investor um i think right now is is kind of one of those things you guys have to decide um i think holding i think holding eos long term past june uh 
is kind of risky um, for the reasons that he stated, just because you don't know what the market's going to do. I, on the other hand, believe that uh, if you see if you see something like this, and me, I've been in the crypto game for a while, so I definitely haven't seen anything quite like this, but my gut tells me and my intuition tells me that sell your coins before June. Make sure you probably sell them middle of May because I think that's when you'll start seeing that that ERC-20 token of EOS start tanking. That's what, at least that's how I feel. I could be wrong. We will see coming up in May what how that turns out. Um, I do think it'll I do think it'll get higher than it is right now. I, I think it's right now it's at thirteen dollars. It'll definitely get higher than that. Uh, might even get to thirty or fifty dollars per EOS token, which is pretty amazing. Um, but I will say right now at thirteen dollars, it's a little above my price range, but maybe not yours. So, would if you're asking me what I hold past June? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Just because you could always buy in once everything has cleared itself out. Because once they get rid of this EOS ERC20 token and it gets replaced with a real EO, EOS coin, I think that's the time you want to buy in. At least that's my opinion. And that's what I plan on doing. Because if it's, if it's at $50 here come May, June, and it crashes back down to like 30 or something... And let's just say that the EOS coin comes out mid-June or it comes out almost immediately and it's still at $30. It's going to tank because it's going to take some time for these apps to come out. So it might tank back down to 15 bucks or something. And at that time, you could purchase it. So I just don't see I don't I don't see the risk of holding it past June. If you don't have to, you can always buy more later and uh, there will always be some on exchanges to purchase some. So my play would be Buy EOS now, hold till about May, middle of May, towards the end of May, till you see it start dropping, and then sell it, because you could probably sell it for a very high premium at that time. And then when it comes, when the real coin comes out in June, made by a third party, of course, buy back in. It'll probably be at around thirteen dollars where it is now, ten dollars. Who knows? Somewhere around there. I don't see it being a hundred bucks. There's just no way. But in crypto, you never know. So that's all we have today for EOS. I hope you guys learned some stuff. I definitely learned a lot. I hope you guys got some benefit out of EOS and learning more about the token and who Dan Laramore is. That guy is fucking awesome. Um, I love the way his brain thinks. Um, Spent three hours today with him (laughs) learning all about him, which was cool. Um, I had heard his name before, but I didn't realize he knew Satoshi Nakamoto which would be pretty cool. I need to look for some YouTube YouTube videos of him talking about them. That'd be awesome. Um, but yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via Twitter or via Instagram or via the old Snapchatties. Or if you want to, join our Telegram. Join our Telegram, ladies and gentlemen. The link is in the show notes. And if you want to be even more on my side, join our Patreon dot com slash thriller podcast and help us become fully independent yeah anyway hope you guys have a great day we'll see you tomorrow and remember buy bitcoin save the world see ya if you guys are interested in more of thriller podcasts find us on twitter at thriller podcasts you can also find us on our very active Instagram page at Thriller Podcasts. I do post some snaps every once in a while on Snapchat at car-gons. If you want to find us on our website, go to thrillerpodcast.club. And finally, if you want to send us an email, go ahead at car at thrillerpodcast.club and I'll make sure to read it on the show. Shout out to everybody who was talking with me on Twitter on Sunday. I appreciate you. And to that fine gentleman 
who shared that Amazon picture with me. I appreciate that too, sir. So if you guys would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash thrillerpodcast. There we are having an awesome community that's being built right now as we speak. Um, We are entirely funded by our Patreon. Um, It's exciting stuff. We're constantly talking about crypto and we're constantly, you know, asking each other questions and helping each other out to learn more. Um, It's only a dollar a month if you want to be a part of everything on Patreon. It's $5 a month if you want to become an executive producer, just like Josine, and help pick some of the shows that we talk about here on a weekly basis. Either way, if you guys are listening, thank you so much. And if you want to support the show, there's even more links in the show notes. Hope you guys enjoy the show. We'll see you next time on Thriller Podcast. We are out. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Carl Gonzalez. Thriller Podcast wants you to have a nice day. Remember to buy Bitcoin and save the world one Satoshi at a time.